Hello, amazing parents and caretakers, and welcome to the Pumped Up Parenting Podcast. I'm your family empowerment coach, Celia Kibler. I'm a mom of a blended family of five kids. I'm a grandma of nine kids, an author, a teacher, a speaker, and a consultant with over 40 years of training and real-life parenting experience. I'm here to offer you practical, doable tips, strategies, and techniques that will pump up your parenting skills and create peace, love, and laughter throughout your family. In addition, I'll be interviewing some great humans that are on a mission to make your life a better, happier, and healthier life. So let's not waste any time and get started with the next episode of the Pumped Up Parenting Podcast. Thanks for listening. Hi, everyone, and welcome to another great episode of the Pumped Up Parenting Podcast. Today, we're talking separation, divorce, and everything that goes into it and out of it so that it's nice, healthy, and really as good an experience as it can be for you and your children. I have with me today, Sherry Morris. She is a lawyer, a coach, an author, and a mom. We are going to really talk about how we can get you to a place where it's survivable, but not just surviving, really, you can go a step farther In my divorce, my divorce, I consider to be a very healthy one. I've been divorced now. I've been, well, parenting a blended family for 26 years now. And we are all doing well. Doesn't mean it didn't affect my kids, but it affected them negatively as little as possible, positively a whole lot. If you ask them, they'll be like, You know, I've got lots of siblings. I've got lots of parents. I got lots of grandparents. There are wonderful benefits to it. And creating the healthiest divorce you can is going to help you and your kids as much as we can. So Sherry, welcome to the Pumped Up Up Parenting Podcast. I do that on purpose to myself. I like to have so many. (laughs) Good alliteration. Yes, a lot of alliteration. I love alliteration, even though it's like a tongue twister. How are you? Welcome to the podcast. I am well today, Celia. It's my pleasure to be here. And I love that you shared your own experience of divorce. I think it's definitely important that we have a broader community that normalizes a life transition, that it doesn't have to be um, a toxic situation for everyone involved. And I really appreciate that, that you've achieved that. And you know, it's not perfect immediately. It's hard. You get through it. You figure out the best tools. But over time, kids and adults can be okay. And the question of how we get there is exactly why we're here today. Exactly. If it's done right, if it's done with intention, and if everybody gets their egos out of the way, when you put aside your ego and you replace it with what's best for all of you, you can really create a very good result from a divorce and a separation. It's always hard. I tell parents all the time, it is the hardest thing you'll ever go through. Do not take it lightly. It is not an easy thing. It is seriously hard, but it doesn't have to be the most miserable experience for your children. 
Well, I really appreciate that perspective because one of the things I think we do, you know, as a society still is feel a need in divorce, whether it's us going through it, and it is my own divorce that brought me specifically to the work I do now um, and have been doing for about seven years. And I think we have still have a tendency who is right, who is wrong, who's to blame, who's the victim. And if you have an individual willing to step willingly into that role or those roles, you really can raise conflict and cause lots of, lots of problems for your children and for yourself, honestly, and, and spend lots, lots of resources. So as a society, the more we talk about what we can do to normalize, to say, hey, we don't ever know what's going on in someone else's relationship. We can imagine, we can gossip, we can pretend, but we don't know. So really stepping back from that, using a different lens to say, hey, if it wasn't working for one person, it wasn't working for two people at least. And let's figure out a way so that their children don't suffer, so that our children don't suffer. And I think that there are best practices. I do like to say, you know, all of us deserve the grace of humanity. We're going to make mistakes, but we can recover from those mistakes. And talking to our children about, gosh, maybe I shouldn't have said that, I apologize, allows them to learn what maybe they can do with their own behavior. And certainly allowing them to have the space of their feelings during a time when they're no longer live in the same household with mom and dad is important. Um, giving them the ability to have an objective third party to talk to if needed, a therapist is great, but also just really treating every person in this system, in the family system with respect and dignity and allowing the space of that um, is really, in my view, the most impactful. So I really appreciate that, that you named the ego because I think for some of us, it feels very painful to be the person who was left or to be the person who decides to leave because it's it's not supported well um, culturally. So, so getting over those turtles can help a lot, but it really takes a mindset shift. Absolutely. And, you know, so often I will hear uh, parents say, well, I don't want to be the bad guy. I don't want everybody to think I'm the bad guy and I'm ending this. But in reality, if your children are in a toxic environment with two people that are not creating peace and harmony and everything, there's a lot of fighting, there's a lot of arguing, there's just a lot of negativity. Isn't it a much better environment to put them where they have two loving parents and two loving parents that are much happier? Because that negativity can that stress, that chaos can destroy a child. So even though it may not be your best option or it may not be the option you want, it may be the best outcome. It's so true. And what I notice is when people say, you know, we're staying together for the children, which is, is pretty common, that what we know about divorce and that the research shows about separation and divorce is people who stay together with a lot of conflict do as much damage to kids as people who divorce and have a lot of conflict. So what we want to get rid of is not staying together or getting a divorce, but get rid of the conflict for the kids. So right. I think it's really important that we lead with that. And as you say, if you are subjected as a child to a lot of conflict between your parents or in your home, a lot of chaos 
then that's more predictive of the trauma you experience and your outcome of that experience. So yes, it's never a first choice. Two people don't marry so they can say, and remember when we get divorced, here's how it'll be. But when we can't agree any longer and we can't figure out a way not to have the conflict or even to find joy and peace in our own lives, then figuring out a path to divorce is okay and should, in my opinion, be more normalized, and we should give people more tools to do that. And, and honestly, I often think for our children, if we can show them a path through divorce without high conflict, we are teaching them in many ways how to deal with difficulty their whole life long. These kids can be more resilient, right? They have faced difficulty and come out the other side. So what tools can we give them for that? Again, not the first choice, but when it happens, what are we doing to teach them? Absolutely. Absolutely. That's such a good point. And it's, you have to realize that you're always teaching your children. If you're living in a relationship that's destructive, then you're teaching them that that's a normal relationship. When they go to have a relationship with their siblings, with their friends, when they grow and get a relationship based on love, they're not going to see that a normal loving relationship is what they can have. They're going to think a normal relationship is the fighting, is the yelling, is the name calling, is all of that aggression, is that disrespect for each other. And that's normal because it's normal for them. So it's really important to understand that you're teaching everything you do, you give your children permission to do. And everything you do, you teach your children how they can do it. That applies to them as well. Yes. And I so agree. I, I think too, one of the things we want to do in separation and divorce and in teaching our children in separation and divorce, how do we be, how can we be, how do we fill the space of responsiveness instead of reactiveness so that we aren't constantly escalated? Because so much of the time, and I'm sure you've heard it too, you blame the other person for what comes up in you, right? And the thing is, we can never control what they're going to do. So even if you have a spouse who won't agree to calm the system, that won't behave in the way that you know will serve the children, you always decide how you respond. And rather than reacting to what you may consider aggressive, escalating messages, content, even insights they share with the children from their perspective, it's really important that we give our children tools from our side about how to be responsive. So again, lessons learned with children, we may be learning them too, because most of us don't go through divorce many times in our lives. But as we learn them, I think the most important lesson for all of the people I work with, and, and me too, is how do I figure out that I can only take care of me, I can only be responsive for me, and how do I not let whatever someone else brings to me escalate me? And that it's a lifetime of work, of course, for all of us. It's not just about separation and divorce. But if we can create tools, and that's what I try to do with my clients, give them some tools. Here's what you do when you get that message by text. You don't have to respond. You know, their urgency isn't your emergency. Reflect, take time. And it really applies to, you know, almost everything unless a child is, you know, bleeding on the floor and you're headed to the emergency room. 
try to take a pause um, and, and self-regulate. So many of us, I think, um, believe that if someone else is doing the escalation that we have a right or even um, an absolute requirement of responding in that moment or in short order. And of course, social media, you know, sort of empowers us, TikTok, all of that, that our kids see now. It's all about how do we, how do we escalate? How do we respond? But in fact, taking time to do that is really much, much better. And it is especially true in separation and divorce. Absolutely. And I love that you brought up, you know, what you have control over. A client that I work with that um, is dealing with his own blended family, he was very focused on what was going on in the other house. And the very first call we had together, I said to him, right off the bat, I want to tell you that what goes on in that house, you have no control over. So let's make your home the best it can be. Teach your kids what they need to learn. Give them the the values and the information that they need so they can handle any situation, whether they are in your home or they're in the other home that is not as scheduled and organized and loving as your home is. So they can handle any situation. And that's, that's what you have to focus on is your home, what's going on, what you can effectively change and create because you can't do it in the other home. You don't live there. You're not their spouse anymore. There's nothing you can do over there. That is terrific advice. And so much of my co-parent coaching is exactly that issue. I don't like, they don't do, I can't stand. And what I notice about that is, again, it's about the individual who's raising those issues too. So yes, of course, they're concerned for their children, but a lot of us have issues around control, right? So we think we get to decide, and that's one of the biggest lessons of separation and divorce. I would, as a side note, like to mention, because some of these co-parenting situations I see, there might be something toxic going on, right, in the house they're co-parenting with that, that seriously is causing some damage to the kids. It's not that they're serving Kraft macaroni and cheese. Right. It's the way the parent in that home has become a victim in the divorce, has not emotionally regulated shares with the child too much about their own personal life. Even when that occurs, you will not, as the parent in the other home, be able to shift that. What you can do is offer your child, in my opinion, the opportunity to do some family work around those issues so that they learn at a young age, as a you know pre-adolescent, as an adolescent, what is theirs to hold and what's not. It's not their job to take care of that parent. They don't have to hold that. And I think sometimes people misinterpret, I can't control to, well, there's nothing I can do. And I do think there's an in-between step, which is do your work, do the work you need with the child. It's not about you being the one to criticize that other parent. It's about allowing a family therapist to say, hey, what's going on for you in your other home? And let's talk about what we can do for you and allow them to do that work. So uh, having an individual therapist for the child or adolescent, having a family therapist, I think that can really shift. But what 
my clients need to do, what I need to do, what so many of us who've experienced divorce need to do that may have that situation in a co-parent home is let go of the idea that we can create that shift or that it's our job to do that. And if people hear nothing else today, please stop lecturing your co-parent about what they should and shouldn't be doing because yes. if anything, it allows them to think, hey, I'm really bugging them. I'm going to keep doing it. Yeah. Prepare your children for life. And that, that means everything that you give your children, explain to your children, work with your children so that they're prepared in any situation. My children, when I first got divorced with my husband, he, my ex-husband, he lived in Missouri. I lived in Maryland. I had to put a five-year-old and an 11-year-old on an airplane three times a year by themselves and fly them out to Missouri and hope that all went well. But I prepared them for that. I taught them if they felt like something was not right, you know, that funny feeling we get in our belly and things like that so that they would know and they would be prepared and aware of what what's going on, if anything, and they could help themselves with their dad. So they're ready to go. And it's, it's not always easy, but you need to be preparing your child for life anyway. It's like I always say, we're raising adults, not children. So they need to be prepared in everything. And really we're teaching them to grow away from us. And that's very difficult for us, but it should be, as you say, it's not always easy, but it's pretty simple if you keep that concept in mind. Exactly. So, so Sherry, you're an attorney and I know you're not a practicing attorney right now. That's not what you do. You're a coach, but I want to talk a little bit about how people can get in worse situations with, with attorneys or not. When I was looking for an attorney, I interviewed probably four different people and every one of them was, well, I shouldn't say three out of four of them were like, you're in Maryland, he's in Missouri, this is going to be a major problem and we're going to have a lot of work to do. And I went to see one one attorney and he said to me, he goes, I'll tell you one thing, I am not going to create problems or fights where fights and problems don't exist. And I was like, you're my man. <laughs> that's awesome. Because that's how I am. And that's how my ex is. We don't create problems where problems don't exist. You know, we did get divorced and it, it was what it was, but I didn't want these other attorneys that like, we're already imagining this horrible scenario simply because it was two different states you know we were going to create all of this we need to get these things in place and that guy was just I was like you're my guy I do not want to create problems where problems don't exist and what you're sharing is really well in line with my professional experience people tend to align with like-minded professionals And my goal in working with individuals or couples when they need referrals to attorneys, my only bias, I like to say, is de-escalation. So what if I have a client that comes to me that doesn't have your de-escalating tendencies, right? So 
we work on the front end at helping them see as an individual, or when I'm working with a couple, which is what I love to do, helping both of them see that it's to their advantage and to their children's advantage to de-escalate. So anytime a lawyer is saying you have a right to fight for X, you should think about what their fight is for. And that's usually for more of your money. And again, it's not my assumption. I'm not maligning my profession. There are many lawyers in family law who are doing it for the right reasons, doing it the right way. But there are also people who need to meet their billable quotas, right? And you've got to figure out, because they're not going to tell you what their bias is. And it's usually apparent right away. Are they going to propound lots of discovery? Are they going to ask to take your deposition? Are they going to make sure you have a custody evaluation? Now, occasionally, and I do mean occasionally, those things are required. But usually I find, especially if I'm working with a couple, they can each have an individual lawyer who's ready to negotiate agreement, who will tell you what your legal rights are. It's important to know. How do you divide your retirement? How much spousal and or child support may someone need or, or be entitled to? All of those things matter for sure. How you're doing financially matters. But what also matters, in fact, is how your relationship will be post-divorce. And anytime you raise the stakes to, to claim that your co-parent is you know, unable to co-parent or unable to be a parent, even as a parallel parent, which is the difference is you may not have cooperative households, but they're an okay parent, you are really increasing conflict. So what I do for people is help them see that if they can avoid things like custody evaluations and propounding discovery and taking depositions, they're going to do better in the relationship with themselves, first of all, with their children, but also with their former spouse. And we can't forget that we are co-parents, right? And so let's figure out a path to de-escalation. So even my clients who say, but you don't understand, this is how they treat me. This is what they did to me. They will not de-escalate. And that may be the case then we focus on what we can do to help them feel better, even if they have to have a response that they would not otherwise be comfortable with. So again, we're never trying to shift the other person. Although if I get the sweet spot of working with that couple, I love it because I have been successful in bringing even a high conflict person to a place of recognizing, even if they have these tendencies and you hear them all over divorce that are narcissistic, right? they can become convinced that it's not in their best interest to escalate. So I really admire that you had uh, the awareness, the self-awareness, but also the awareness at a time of your divorce to say, this isn't who I am. This isn't who he is. We can figure out even across state lines how to co-parent. Because at the end of the day, I want people to know this too. You usually are going to share custody in some form right? There are extreme situations when that will not happen, but the courts today, and this is pretty universal, and I'm not giving legal advice, are going to say they're shared parenting. So knowing that, why not go in and have more control over it? Why not do it together? Because if you don't decide, I can tell you that the judge who may have gotten up on the wrong side of his or her bed that morning and is annoyed with their spouse, and frankly, you remind them of their spouse... <laughs> may not make the best decision for you. So if you want to feel empowered, de-escalate, let's get to those resources. 
And, and if I may add one thing, because I'm so excited about this. Add away, add away. <laughs> I, I, um, I really want to say, I think it's really important that people understand that de-escalation doesn't mean we never argue. In the sessions I have with couples, people can get a little emotional and that's okay. Because one of the things I really believe in is transformative mediation. And what, what that is basically is listening to somebody who has a beef with you and just hearing what they have to say, even if you disagree, maybe just saying, I hear you feel, right? And you're not saying I get it or I believe it, but I hear you feel is enough to help people shift. So, so let's keep that in our tool belt. Let's not spend sometimes hundreds of thousands of dollars to get to the other side of something when that won't be impactful. Let's try it. A listening is a huge thing and, you know, and you should practice it because you need it for your children. You need to not just listen to what they're saying. You need to listen to what the emotion is as they're saying it and understand how they're feeling. Hey, hey parents, just want to take a break from this podcast and ask you, are you tired of feeling like a bad parent and second guessing yourself all the time? Are you wondering how you can start becoming proactive instead of reactive so you're not yelling but calmly communicating to your kids? Overwhelmed with sorting through the myriad of parenting information that's out there and ready to set up a system that works for you now and in the future? How about instead we put a proven plan in place that will create more cooperation, more listening, more happiness in your home without all the drama? You can do it. Become a member of my Tranquility Tribe and start feeling confident and hopeful again. After all, we're raising adults, not children. And don't your kids deserve the best? So just go to mytranquilitytribe.com and let's get started on your vision today. A lot of times we get to the point of divorce or separation because we've stopped listening. We've stopped understanding that person. We've stopped listening to the way they feel, to what they want, to their needs, to how you can help with their needs, how they can help with your needs. That all, that all goes away when we're, you know, we're reaching a point of total conflict. And it seems like nothing is able to get it better. Or maybe just one side of the relationship is willing to work and the other side isn't. And at some point you decide this, this is not going to work. And where do we go from here? And a lot of parents don't know where to go from here. So maybe if you can just touch on, if you're a couple and you realize, you know what, this is not working. I'm scared. What do I do? Great question, Celia. And what I do is first I get them into a facilitated conversation. So I'll meet with each person for about an hour and the reason I do that with each of them is so they don't have to hear all those terrible things that we all want to say about the other person, our spouse, at about the time we're ready to divorce. And it's not that everyone says terrible things, but, you know, you've heard it. I've heard it. Like, we all know our failings. So let's keep those sessions separate. Get me up to speed. I build, I build some trust, I hope, and rapport with these clients. And then we come together for what I call an agenda for success. And I say, look, I can get you each to 
a lawyer who will give you legal advice and will negotiate an agreement. I can send you just to a mediator. But what I really like about each person having a lawyer, honestly, is that I never want resentment later. Well, I didn't know or I didn't understand if you just have, you know, right off the bat, a mediator. You can mediate later as needed. We can stay in facilitated conversation. But getting that legal advice checks the box. And then in the meantime, we can talk about your parenting. How do you want the schedule to look? What ages are your children? I'll talk about developmentally in general, what's better for kids at different ages? How many transitions should happen in a week? You know, as kids get older, they can manage longer stays with one parent and they tend to like that. So how old are the kids? How are we gonna make those transitions happen? In general, a neutral transition at school or activity works best. I mean, you don't get divorced to see more of your spouse. So if you can keep those transitions neutral, it's always good. But also how will you behave at parent-teacher conferences? We really leave no stone unturned. We wanna talk about what may be difficult in interactions with your co-parent and make a plan for success. And that means how are we gonna communicate? Let's reserve texting for emergencies. Let's send emails about stuff that needs to be decided so people can reflect and respond timely, sure, but also in a thoughtful manner. The best parenting plans that I help people develop are the ones that we've really thought about on the front end that we're really thinking through, talking about. And then because they've thought this through, they never have to look at again. So if we're talking about where kids are going to be for holidays, you know, there's some best practices for that because often parents feel a need and this is natural, but also a little bit selfish. Well, I want a little bit of time on Christmas. Well, I want a little bit of time on Christmas, which can work, but also can make a kid feel a lot of pressure, right? Absolutely. So if they have to shift homes on Christmas day, it's a lot. So what do we do always leading child-centric to make it best for them. Even if it's a little harder for us as adults originally, we really need to be thoughtful of the kids. And people don't know because they don't have the experience of divorce. So that's how I work. And they can go back to talk to their lawyers and then come back. And we have another session to work through those kinds of topics. That's such great advice because a child that's torn between homes for a holiday because this one doesn't want to give it up and this one doesn't want to give it up is just going to make them miserable, honestly. And in this day of technology, if one parent has one child this year for Christmas and the next parent has them next year for Christmas, we have video. We can still talk to our children and look at them in the face. And there's so many ways you can make this work but I love that you mentioned, let's focus on what's best for the child. Because ultimately, if your children are happier, you're happier. If your children are miserable and depressed and crying over all of this, you're the same way. You're, you, you feel like a bad parent. You feel like you failed them. So let's really make it work for all of you. People want to reach out to you, Sherry. How can they do that? Where can they find you? So the best place to find me is my website, deardivorcecoach.com. And I always have a 20 minute, about 20 minute Zoom discovery session. I want to meet you. I want you to meet me. I want to know you and what's going on in your life that you may need the support. So we're going to connect and we're going to figure out if what I do is a good fit for what you need. 
Interestingly, in addition to the Dear Divorce Coach website, I'm also on a site called recompose.us, and that's for family system conflict. Um, I have trouble, you know, connecting with my adult daughter and, and seeing my grandchild. Can we work on that? So really, this is all a version of conflict transformation, and I am lucky to collaborate with a psychotherapy practice in Gaithersburg, Maryland, so we do that work together. And I have great therapeutic resources at my disposal because of it. So I really like to think of the work I'm doing is shifting mindsets as really conflict transformation, which is what we're looking for in divorce. Because again, predictably, it's not divorce, but conflict that hurts kids. So how do we shift that dynamic for them and for ourselves? And, and one thing you said that really resonated with me, Celia, was if you're, you know, making contact with your kids and you're miserable and they're miserable, everybody's miserable. It's so true. And if we can learn to self-regulate and teach our kids to self-regulate and make them know that being without us for periods of time can be okay and that we are there and mostly available with technology today, it can be okay. And, you know, on the other side of it, parents can have a little time, right? They're, 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 you know, it's not so bad. You can figure out what you need too, which is parents can be hard to do sometimes. So I'm not telling people to get divorced so you have time alone. I'm just <laughs> saying <laughs> it's, it's, it's something to think about that not everything has to be bad and it is a mindset shift, but we will work to get there. Exactly. There are positive things that come at, can come out of everything. You know, I always see the world with a glass half full. There's good in everything. If you were to ask my kids today, and it has been 27 years since I divorced their father, and ask them what is great about the fact that we are not together, they would tell you they have two wonderful stepsisters. They have three wonderful stepbrothers. They have nieces and nephews all over the place because they're older. My kids are all in their thirties and married with children. And there are just so many, they have extra grandparents. It's just, it's like the abundance of family is, is created from the fact that it didn't work out between me and their father, but it doesn't mean we stopped talking to each other. It doesn't mean we stopped even a casual friendship for the sake of a word. Uh, we were, my husband and I were invited to his kids' weddings, which are actually not his kid. It's his wife's two daughters. We went to their weddings and it, it's like a big family. And we, we run this family like a big family. And it's just more people to love. And I think if you ask my children, Although the pain of separation and divorce is always there, there can absolutely be a positive outcome at the end of it all. Well said. And for those who don't have a cooperative spouse, remember the role you can play. You know, I, I, I again just want to reinforce, not all of us may have had a former partner who's willing to cooperate, play nicely, even over time. But you can always take care of yourself and your kids, do the best you can to create that de-escalation and teach them the value of resilience 
and good coping skills and, and give them the support that they need. Absolutely. Absolutely. So before we go, I know we've already given so much valuable information. Is there one more thing you feel like we left out that you would like to just add? I know you just added that. And is there something else you would like to say? The only thing is that I really like to reinforce with people because divorce is a big life transition, right? There are things that we experience in life that are big, and this is one of them if we go through it. Self-care, please take care of yourself. If you're doing self-care, you're probably not doing enough because taking care of ourselves helps us take care of others. So make sure you're attending to you. It really does matter. Absolutely. Yes. And that's a really good point is, is to even say that you matter, your feelings matter, your opinion matters. You matter in all this. Don't stay in a relationship where you feel like, well, I won't even say anything because it doesn't matter what I say. You matter in your relationship. Your life matters. You know, this is this life is not a dress rehearsal. None of us are getting out of here alive. So we need to live our best lives. And then your children will also live their best lives. So do what you need to do. Sometimes it's not what you thought was going to happen. Sometimes it was like way off of your plan. I have a client who is going through this and she's like, she never would have thought in a million years this was going to happen. And it, it may be a shock to you, but you have to do what needs to be done so that you and your children have their best life they possibly can do without all the anger and ugliness that sometimes becomes a relationship. I would just like to say how much I appreciate you being here. Thank you, Sherry. And to everyone out there that's listening, please reach out if you need help. I know this can be such a confusing time, such a uh, insecure time for you. It could turn out to be a positive, productive time when you get through the whole thing. If you really do it intentionally, plan it out, think it out and understand that what's good for you is really driven by what's best for your kids. Thank you, Sherry, for being here. And in the description, we will have all the ways that people can reach out to you. I appreciate it very much. And to all of our listeners, please let us know what you think. Please comment and give us a review. And if you know someone who's really struggling with their relationship, share this out with them so that they can find the little hope where they don't think there's any. All right. Well, it's time to say goodbye. Goodbye, Sherry. Thank you for being here. Celia, my pleasure. Thank you. And to all of you, as always, I wish you your days filled with peace, love, tons of laughter. Laugh, guys. Even in hard situations, there's stuff that's funny. So laugh. It really is the best medicine. And we'll see you here next time on the Pumped Up Parenting Podcast. Bye-bye, everyone. Thank you for listening to the Pumped Up Parenting Podcast and being a part of my mission to stop a million parents from yelling at their kids. Be sure to head over to pumpeduppparenting.com and grab your free copy of the Patience Playbook. Wishing there was a manual for your toddler? Well, great news. 
Now there is. Pick up your copy of Raising Happy Toddlers, How to Build Great Parenting Skills, and Stop Yelling at Your Kids, plus my three new children's books at celiasbooks.com. That's celiasbooks.com. If you're loving this podcast, please feel free to share it with your friends and pay it forward. And also leave a review so I know who you are and can thank you personally. Tune in next time for more tips, advice, and strategies as you continue to pump up your parenting and create childhoods that everyone in your family can blossom from. Have yourself a really happy, fun day. Bye-bye.